Hi everyone, it's Izzy and Max, and we're back with a brand new episode from our classic series, Great Debates, this week. We know that this is some of your guys' favorite series that we do, so we're super excited to be back, especially to talk about some really interesting statements today. Before we begin, we just wanted to mention that we just joined TikTok. We have a few things that we're excited to share with you, and we'll be continuing to post more epic content on there in addition to our Instagram. So go check us out at The Truth of Youth. And in addition, if you've never listened to Great Debates before, it's totally fine. Everyone who is new to the podcast tends to like this series, so you're not missing out on anything by not catching up in the other ones. So I don't really think we have anything else left to catch up on. So ready to get debating? Yeah, Izzy, let's do it. All right, so just to refresh, let's just read the rules for Great Debates for those of you who do not remember. Essentially, one of us will read a controversial statement out loud that argues a certain standpoint. And we've blindly chosen these statements to avoid bias, and when reading it, it doesn't necessarily reflect either of our opinions just yet. So after we read the statement, we're going to take our own stance on whether we personally agree or disagree with that statement and sort of debate it on the spot. Also for great debates, um, we don't have our typical truth of today questions and just the statements that we're going to center our episode around. Max, do you want to read the first statement? Yeah, sure. So getting right into it, first statement reads, schools should be able to view their students' web browsers they are on during school hours to keep their attention focused and to prevent cheating. So I don't know about you, Izzy, but I've been hearing like, a few situations in other schools or whatever kind of surrounding this issue uh, because it is a real life issue. It's not just some, I don't know, made up thing. Like sometimes we will debate and I'm sure most students can relate to the feeling of like being watched like online. Like, you know, like I feel like everyone's a different person that they are online when compared to real life. Obviously, you know, there's less filters, et cetera. Like, people aren't as afraid because they're behind a screen, obviously, and not in person with someone. So I don't really think it's fair to hold someone to the same standard that you would online as you would in real life. I'm not saying that, like, you know, things like racist jokes or, like, other things should ever be excused because, obviously, that's terrible. But I'm ta- I'm talking about, like, you know, maybe, like, one or two situations that might involve cheating, for like a math problem or something. I don't think that it's really fair considering how prevalent the internet is in our society is today, because let's be real, our jobs in the future are going to involve technology and stuff like that. And in school forms the basis of what we do for our jobs in the future. So I really am an advocate for privacy. I mean, 40 years ago, there wasn't really such thing as like the internet. So People had privacy, you know what I'm saying? But privacy isn't really like a super crazy thing these days, if you know what I mean. I think that this is kind of a situational thing because part of the rights that you're born with um, is a right to privacy. And, you know, 
um, theoretically, when you do go to school, you lose some of your constitutional rights. And um, theoretically, the school has a lot of leverage over what they can do. Um, but I think privacy is kind of one of those lines that gets that could get crossed really easily. And I definitely think that um, I, I don't agree with this statement for like multiple reasons. Like I understand why teachers, especially in the current environment with Corona and you know, um, virtual school and, you know, just not knowing what students are actually doing during class or outside of class on their computers can be very concerning for a lot of teachers. Um, but at the same time, first of all, when it comes to any of these browsers, I think it's completely bizarre that people don't have the opportunity to consent to getting them installed on their computer. Um, I think that's absolutely crazy. And, But then again, like if you were asked to get consent, you'd probably say no. So there goes that. But I think with a lot of these browser programs that track what you're doing, I think even schools don't know how much they can take and how much data they can get out of a student. And if they don't know how systems work and they're installing them for students to use, I think that just creates a lot of anxiety. And just it's really just not fair on the students if they don't know what the system that they didn't even install on their personal devices is doing. Um, Also, I think like if they were to do this, I guess the only way that would be somewhat more acceptable would be like, let's say your school gives you like a specific computer and theoretically it's their property and, you know, they gave it to you and they, they kind of, I mean, they kind of forced you to get it, but anyway, they gave it to you and they're like, when you're on this computer, we're tracking you. It's our property. Like, I guess that's a little bit more acceptable and a little bit more valid in the sense that it's theirs. And theoretically they could do whatever they want. But when it comes to personal computers that people share with other family members, or I just, I think that line of privacy is completely crossed and it's just kind of outrageous. I actually don't agree with that. Um, in terms of like, you know, it should be a school computer or whatever. And I'll tell you why I think Right now, definitely, um, I would disagree with that. But if it wasn't like, you know, the pandemic or anything where you would have to do school from home, um, I would probably agree with you. The reason I say that is because I come from a privileged background. So I have my own computer. Uh, I record my podcast on my own computer. So I have like the privilege to actually, you know, do my own research or whatever. Versus I know a lot of other kids, they don't really have that privilege. So they might actually have to look up stuff like on their own or whatever. Um, and like, it, it's almost like the school has like a monopoly on like what kind of information you have access to versus like another person who might not have that because they have privilege. So what I mean by that is like, I think every kid should really have like the ability to search the information they want because school like requires a laptop, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, if you didn't have the laptop, like why should one kid be restricted just because they have more money versus, you know, another kid who might not. And also who's reading through a petition that had to do with the situation similar to this. And um, one kid commented, I don't want the school to know that I'm gay. And I just thought about that for a second because, you know, everyone has questions about things like their sexuality or like if a kid has anxiety or depression, like things that they're embarrassed to ask like to another person they could ask the internet you know what I'm saying and that's not a bad thing that's not something to be embarrassed about but that's something that I think a lot of kids value even like something like I I mean I don't mean to get dark here but like a suicide hotline you know what I'm saying like I think it's important and like I don't think the school always has to be like the adjudicator of that 
if you know what I mean. I also think that if these are installed for like the purposes of cheating, I think the only way that you can really curb that in an online environment is really just monitoring the way that you assess kids because like it's very easy to get kids to say A, B, C, D, E, right? On a test. But if you're forcing them to, and you know, it could be really annoying for kids sometimes to, and teachers to um, force kids to write essays and then grade them. But that's the only essays or written things or more like abstract assignments are the way that you really force us to think in this kind of world, especially during Corona. Like I feel like everybody just, it was, everything was on the internet and you know, you were just at your screen all the time. And it's like the things where you need to think are like those essays that are like those big questions that you need to brainstorm or, you know, and those are things that you can't just, you can't just look that up, you know? And so I think if cheating is the concern, I think the real way to go about that is just monitoring the way that you assess things. And I think teachers who have a say in the curriculum definitely have a say in how they can assess students. So I think that would be helpful. But going off of what you were saying before, like, I definitely, I see that like with the point on, for example, if if you and I have a personal laptop, but the school is providing everyone with a laptop and some people didn't have a laptop, but because it's school property, they're not held to the same like accounts of privacy. I guess that like, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was saying. Yeah. So yeah. But I feel like it, in a lot of these cases, what I was trying to say is that it's not often these like school um like devices and i'm not saying it's really acceptable to do that either but i guess it's a little bit more understandable than your personal computer that you might share with other people or if people don't know how these systems work and you log into your account from a foreign computer to print something out at your parents office or something like you have no idea what's on there so it's just like things like that that i think are kind of crazy So the next statement reads, minors should not be allowed to get tattoos. Okay, so I I really don't have an issue with it. Like I know that me personally, I wouldn't get one just because anything that's so permanent and painful um, just doesn't really like appeal to me that much personally. Like I, I get why people get tattoos and it's like this everlasting symbol or reminder of something and you know, I just, me personally, I wouldn't get one, but I'm not like super against minors getting them either. As long as they're like, you know, kind of safe about it. I think honestly, it depends on the situation, but I'm kind of on the middle in this issue. I know like it's legal to get a tattoo when you're a minor. Like if you get your parent, your parents like consent and everything, which I obviously think is important, but also like Based on, like, the rules of our society where you have things like consent being, like, you know, when you're underage, you're not – you're seen as not mentally capable to, like, giving consent. So, like, that makes me think, like, are you mentally capable of making a decision that, like, is going to be on you for the rest of your life? You know what I mean? So it's kind of, like, it creates this dilemma that's a little bit confusing, I also think it's like important, uh, we were learning about this in a program that me and Izzy are both part of at our school um, that deals with like sexual health issues and stuff like that. So pretty much a group of mine is doing a project on HIV and they were talking about in a presentation how a lot of tattoo artists 
um, who aren't licensed are, are at higher risk for uh, transmitting HIV to someone with a needle. So what I'm saying is that minors who might do it like without their parents permission or whatever, like with a fake ID, like it could put them at higher risk because, you know, they're, they're not as like mentally capable as what our society and government sees that as um, of actually making that decision. But I don't like being that person that's like woulda, coulda, shoulda about everything. But I'm definitely not like super like do whatever you want on this issue, especially when you're a minor. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I think like it should be a free for all. I just don't think it should be treated to like a completely like criminalizing extent. Yeah, I think definitely before doing so, they should definitely know what they're getting themselves into. But yeah, like I wouldn't say do it as a free for all. And I think like you'd feel better about it if you, you know, I don't know, had a little bit of support or yeah exactly kind of knew what you were doing be careful and i would like ask for some advice before so the next statement reads script should not be taught in school so i actually have a pretty strong opinion on this one um i disagree i do think it should be taught in school i was taught it in school in i think third grade if i recall and I don't think like it had a very profound impact on my life, but looking back at it now, I do think that everything in elementary school, like grades do not matter, obviously. Grades don't even matter in middle school, and you don't really realize that until you get into high school. I think like everything in your foundational years, like allow you to kind of like set a basis for your adult years, like when you're actually creating your own signature, which I think is like something that's really cool that I've like been able to do over the past few years. But like, handwriting is a super important skill it also helps when you're learning to read and stuff like that and i just think like it's it's just like a thing that could be really i don't know beautiful for some people especially if they're artistic like me or you izzy i don't like see also why it would like be restricted by like some schools like what else do second or third graders really have to do i mean you're not spending the entire day learning scripts if you do like a half hour like working in like the handwriting book like like twice or three times a week for like i don't know half the year like and you learn script i think that's how long it took me like it's it doesn't really have like a profound impact but i think it could be helpful there's no like downsides in my opinion i don't think there's a downside i just i don't know if there's like a huge upside either because like on the one hand i think like kids now that at the point in their life where they're learning script a lot of them have probably become increasingly exposed to technology in which you probably, and I just, I have a feeling that handwriting is just going to be like for a lot of people, an outdated sort of thing. And so things like script won't really matter in the long run. Like, honestly, I learned script, but like my signature is like, I don't, I don't know. Um, It's like, I don't know. It's just like a scribble. Like it's usually like just my initials or something. I used to like draw hard at the end and connect it to like a script L. I thought that was like, incredible but anyway script is like it's not that I'm like against it I mean like you said like there's not like a lot like I don't really know what else they would be doing I mean maybe they could learn about like I don't want to say current events because I feel like some of them are too complex for them to even understand but more interactive things like I think that's the whole point of elementary school and maybe instead of just sitting in isolation and writing in your book like you could like do some sort of interactive activity instead. I don't know if it's like essential. Like you should definitely know how to write, but like script is just like an add-on, I feel like. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I just think that 
it's kind of difficult because it doesn't hurt, but also like, could we be spending it on other things? Like, in my opinion, I don't really think it takes up that much time. Like, at least from what I remember, it didn't for me. So like, I don't really think it would hurt. But like, some schools are just completely getting rid of it. And like, also, like, I don't really agree with what you said about like, how handwriting is becoming obsolete. Like, because like, you know, we're typing and everything. Because it's not I think, that it's like, obsolete. It's just like, I think like, there's definitely going to be a split in like how many people end up like keeping pen and paper. If you're a little kid right now, pretty much all you know is this virtual school thing. Mm -hmm. And so you had to, if you did write anything, you probably typed it. Yeah. And um, you didn't, you probably didn't like print as much out as you've typed, just like save paper and whatever. But I mean, it's not like, I'll always love handwriting. Like I, I always print out anything that I have to annotate for English. It's not that it's obsolete. I just think there's definitely going to be a split in like how many people end up like just sticking with like computers and typing and how many people um, handwrite. Yeah. One thing I do agree with you though is typing should be taught much earlier. I learned to type, I think, in fifth grade, like, like type to learn for. I don't know if you did that, but. Yes. Oh, I was like, (laughs) when, oh my God, I was really slow. Like when they would have like the, I'd be like one key at a time, but I just. Yeah, I remember like learning how to type and we started like type to learn and it was like uh-huh. this whole like my grandma actually taught me to type. She used to be like a teacher for like secretaries and she used to do it. So I learned to type like before a lot of my friends did. Um so that was like relatively easy for me. Now I could type like 120 words per minute or something like that. But that should definitely be taught earlier. But I don't really have anything against schools that like that don't do script, but I I do have something against schools that completely like just stop it for no reason. Okay. So I think that we should move on to the next one, which is graffiti art is as worthy of regard as classical paintings. So when I saw this statement, like I was like, I was browsing this like slightly before we did our episode. And I was like, there's this whole like stigma around graffiti and how it's vandalism. And, you know, it's like, it's just, you're not supposed to like do it on other people's property and all these things. But then there's also such a like street casual yet important side to like some, like, I guess, graffiti art, I guess. I don't really know, but I've seen like some graffiti that like actually looks legit and like is trying to like say something. And some that's like, it's just purely just like curse words and that have no meaning. So should it be as worthy as regard of classical paintings? I really depend on, I think it depends on what exactly you're looking at, where exactly it is. Because like, if you're like graffitiing like on the side of someone's house, like, you know, that could be a little disrespectful. And so, whereas classical paintings are like these esteemed like museum like things. But I don't know. I feel like some, like even the more like casual like street art could be powerful in a way. Yeah, I think this ties into, like, a bigger conversation about, like, what you can actually consider art and what is, like, not considered art. We were having this conversation last year in my history class, and, like, we looked at, like, this piece of art. I forgot what it was, but everyone in the class was saying, like, no, there's no way that's art. It was, like, something, like, really dumb. Um, But then I was, like, you know, because I I really love art. Like, I, I think I might want to pursue something in art history when I'm in college. I really believe that anything that makes you ask if it's art is art. Like anything that just makes you question something or like just look at it and be like, even if even if it like makes you mad or something, like that's art. I, I really do believe that. It doesn't need to be like 
also crazy complex. Like, you know, it doesn't need to be, uh, I don't know, Monet's water lilies or something, which like took like a million years to make. You know what I'm saying? Because not all art is that deep. My parents went to Art Basel two years ago. And I don't know if you remember this, like, because it was like a pop culture thing, easy, but there was this banana taped to a wall that sold for like $250,000, like ridiculous. And it was like literally just a banana duct taped to a wall. And then it was like stolen or something. I don't know what happened, but I think part of the reason why that is totally art is because like it was such a phenomenon online. You know what I'm saying? So of course it's art. And if it deserves to be sold for like that much, like, yeah, of course. And so I think you can apply the same doctrine to graffiti art. There's graffiti art that I've seen that's way, way, way better. And also just like tasteful, in my opinion, because everyone has like a different taste in art than some classical paintings that I've seen in like the MoMA or the Met. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of the way you can look at it. So the next statement reads, homework should be banned. Work should be in the classroom and extracurricular should be mandated outside of the classroom. So I think there's a lot to unpack in this statement. First of all, it says work should be in the classroom and extracurricular should be mandated outside of the classroom. In a hypothetical world, if we were to get rid of homework and you were to mandate extracurriculars outside the classroom, I think it would do a good job because honestly, especially today where school hours are shorter, like at least this is the case for me and Izzy, like we have a two hour shorter school day and we eat lunch at home and stuff like that. I'm getting like relatively the same amount of work done and also a lot more homework than I used to. Last year in quarantine, I got way too much homework and that was really taxing my mental health. And it really, I didn't get to do anything outside of school, although it was a pandemic and it still is a pandemic. I also think there's this whole conversation about what constitutes an extracurricular activity. Like is mowing someone's lawn the same thing as taking care of your siblings after school? Or is it the same thing as doing science research or something like that? And also, would one be mandated? Would 12 be mandated? You know what I'm saying? What would like compensate for homework? But I think overall, what my opinion is, is that homework doesn't necessarily make me a better, more intelligent person. I think it just kind of reinforces certain things that I might have learned in class. But there's just so much repetition, I feel like, with doing homework. And I think it reinforces it to a certain extent, especially when you're studying for like a big test when you're doing APs and stuff. But you should get a lot more done in school, like less like stupid stuff in school, in the classes. Like a lot of my past history classes have just been like conversations about what we read in the textbook. Like, no, I think it should be work. I think it should be very productive, like if you can, because I think that reinforces the material. And then like you should give kids a chance to just do what they want creatively or to express themselves outside of school. Because, like, we don't get that as much anymore. I don't. Yeah, I think, I mean, with the statement, like, with the first part that's saying that homework should be banned, I think, like, it's really about, I personally, in some cases, I do like the reinforcement. Mm -hmm. But I think, like, there's definitely control over how much you can give. And also just choosing, like, for example, if you learn three math concepts, right? Don't give me six problems that all look the same for the first section. Don't give me another 10 that looks the same for the second, like give me like two or three, you know, one that's easy, one that's medium, one that's difficult. Like don't be like redundant and cause like just extra work that's not really necessary. And that's not like furthering the concept if it's just repetition. So I think like, it's really about pinpointing also what is the right kind of assignment to give someone? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like is 10 minutes of homework every night, the same thing as an hour of homework? Like, is that fair? Like to do just 
different amounts of homework each night, especially when school lacks consistency in and of itself. Like, is that even fair to just not be consistent in the amount of homework we're giving people? I, I don't, I also agree. I don't really think homework should be banned, you know, but. But also like the part about like mandating, I guess, like extracurriculars and stuff. I, I agree with you when you say like what really constitutes what an extracurricular is, because an extracurricular could be something that's just like leisurely. And yes, it's good to, you need to incorporate some leisure in your life, but it should also be productive. I think the real growth happens on like the more hands-on things. I think like hands-on activities will actually help you become more intelligent because like it's a proven fact that like many of the things you learn in school don't actually apply. So after you've done that acceptable amount of homework that actually pinpoints the right questions to do, and you've definitely done some work in class, I definitely think you should do some in class because that's when your teacher is actually present. And like, that's where you could just make sure you're doing stuff right. And you know, like, you don't want to like go home and and do everything wrong. And then like, come in and be like, what? Because then like, did you really reinforce it? Or did you reinforce the wrong like thing? But beyond that, I think I, the extracurriculars that should be mandated or not even mandated, but definitely encouraged and like, you know, just brought up in conversation, like are the more like hands-on, like research or like a job or you know like the things that are going to teach you how to interact with people that you don't know and that you might be intimidated by or you know the things that are going to be similar to when you do finish your education and you go into a job like those kinds of things I think would be really helpful or connecting kids to research or connecting kids to maybe like an internship at like a tech startup or at a even at like a coffee shop like you learn a lot just like talking to people and being someone that's of like service to others yeah 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 yeah. Uh uh-huh absolutely but also like when you're young and like if we applied this statement to when you're in middle school for example like sixth grade i mean obviously you can't be at a tech startup you know what i'm saying so i think that should be the time where kids are just figuring out what they like. So that's why I think the mandate part is important. Not not because, you know, this whole thing about like what's required, what's not, because society is just like a fluid thing. I don't like how everyone just thinks in this this or that mindset and how like our entire like way of life is based on this or that, but also like humans aren't this or that people. So it's difficult because kids should be able to do what they want or just try what they want at the beginning. And then as kids get older, I think that things like what you just said are more important. And like, you should be able to, there should be like something that actually you could see yourself doing in the future, like a job or something. But kids don't have time for that because they have so much work. Like, I I don't even know how I like do half the stuff that I do because I really do feel like I'm always living in the future. I'm always like, you know, what college do I want to get into? And also there was this TikTok I referenced, like I think a few episodes ago, maybe like five episodes ago. And it said, how can teens be expected to get eight hours of sleep, exercise, do extracurriculars, get a super good SAT or ACT score, get good grades, etc. Like, how can we be expected to hold ourselves to a good health standard as well? So it's just like interesting. It's just an interesting conversation. There's also like the question of like, is it mandating the umbrella of extracurriculars? Is it mandating a specific one? Because although like you might not want to be forced into doing a specific thing, like sometimes you might not push yourself to your out of your comfort zone enough to try that specific thing. Like 
you might be like, oh my God, I hate art. Like I would never want to draw. I'd never want to take an art class in my entire life. But the school is like, no, after school on Tuesday at three, you have an art class that you're going to, or Mm -hmm. you need the credits. Right. And like, on the one hand, like you might like completely hate it. And it could be, I mean, nothing theoretically is a waste of time because like you wouldn't have really known if you didn't try like that you hated it or you didn't hate it. But like it, I think that's like a whole nother question. Like, is -hmm. it the whole umbrella? Like you need to do one, two, and three extracurriculars, or you need to do an art class, you need to do a robotics class, and then after you need to go to chess. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think it's kind of a loose statement, but it can be interpreted in a bunch of different ways. Good conversation to have. The next statement reads, transportation is a human right. So this one's really, really interesting to me, um, because I really do think it depends on where you live. And this is like political for some reason. I don't really know why, but because I, I I mean, according to our constitution and everything, like we're guaranteed life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And again, I'm not trying to get political because we don't do that here. But does transportation kind of fit into those three things? I have no idea. But you know, if you live in New York City versus Wyoming, like obviously transportation is going to play a much more integral role in your life in New York City. Like if you're like a, I don't know, working for a firm in Wall Street versus, you know, if you work on like a farm and need to travel to a city once a year to have like meetings with like, I don't know, owners of something, you know what I mean? So is it human right? I don't really think it's a human right, but do I think like it should be more accessible because it's not accessible to a lot of people, especially when we have people right now in a pandemic struggling, like, and they're still having to pay, like, you know, I'm not saying everyone Ubers because obviously there's such thing as a subway, public transportation, which is relatively accessible, but not super accessible. Like I know people that used to have to take an Uber to like their work once a week in Long Island for like $250. And this person like was not like, you know, crazy rich, you know what I'm saying? Because that's the only way they could get there. So I don't know. I I think it's just like a weird thing. I don't really think it's a human right, but I definitely think that it should be more accessible and not as taxing financially. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if it's a human right, but I think it's more out of like necessity and it's subjective to where you are and to, you know, what it is that you're doing. Let's say you're this kid that lives outside of an area and you get into like a private school, right? Like, and you don't have like transportation to like get there. So, but like the kids that live there like do, but like, it's just like, you know, it's like one hand, like they can't just like you live far and a lot of other people don't. So like, they're gonna just go with the majority there. But On the other hand, it's like you're just like every other student who's getting a bus to go to school, but your parents have to schlep you across the George Washington Bridge, you know, but human right, I think might be like a little extreme because like some people don't really need that. But yeah, I also think an important point to talk about is kind of like the efficiency of transportation. I've been to cities like in Canada where literally like I think Toronto, there was like a bus I took that was completely cost efficient because all of its energy was powered by solar energy. So when you have stuff like that, and it doesn't cost anyone anything because you're using systems that are sustainable and like don't like waste things and stuff like that, like 
absolutely transportation should be free because if you have the technology for it like why not use it like you know i think people would be willing to make like a not i I don't think it's like this whole willing thing because you know there's obviously processes that people have to go through and everything and not everything happens in a hop skip and a jump we have things called government but i think if there's technology to make transportation first of all more efficient second of all cheaper and more accessible and third of all more environmentally conscious then absolutely people should use it i think that's like just important because transportation it's a it's like the it's why we see streets everywhere and trains and i don't know it just like makes up our society so all right so the next statement reads actions equate to feelings so i was having a conversation with my mom the other day and she was like actions don't always equate to feelings i kind of agree with that because there's this whole notion of like if someone's not like evidently doing something for you or physically helping you or like physically saying something to you or it's like they're not they don't care you know but I don't know it's kind of interesting to think about like if you actually cross people's minds and maybe like out of feeling or whatever like they just don't like do anything and so I think that's why people especially like in terms of like relationships like if someone is not doing something physically or like saying something or whatever it is to like talk to or help the other person like they don't care but i don't think that they do i think this statement can be interpreted a lot of different ways especially because it's so concise i liked your point like and i'll kind of tie it into um mine that like if someone does something it doesn't necessarily mean they're like intention all the time people have to do what they have to do sometimes so i don't really think there's like always like a emotional reason behind everything and i think people like think about that a lot because people tend to take things personally especially in a very growing sensitive society and i think it really depends on like the situation so like i don't really have a ton to say about this one because it's honestly it's it's really hard to talk about when I don't really have a situation at hand but I don't know if you can really apply this to relationships but like let's say like someone like kisses you like I don't really think that means like you're in love with them you know what I mean or like you love them all the time or like you kissed me last night like you should be like I don't know you should like me today you know what I mean because some people I guess are like that and that's how like mixed signals miscommunication comes up i've mentioned this in the podcast before but i really am a huge believer in 95 percent of problems are caused by miscommunication so meaning there's common ground between two people but they don't really know what that common ground is until they have a conversation about it i think that also plays into it but it's it's very situationally specific if you know what i mean yep all right, Izzy. So I think that's a pretty good way to wrap up the episode. Uh, I think some of the statements this time were really, really good. I especially liked the one where we talked about extracurriculars. I thought that was really interesting because I think it's something that we both have talked about extensively on the podcast. But definitely we could talk about that a little bit more, um, stress of extracurriculars, etc. But also all the other ones. I really like the tattoo one. Um, but hopefully we'll get to see your guys' opinions on our Instagram stories. I know um, that's like probably our most interacted with stories. Definitely check that out in the next few days or so. We'll be doing promos for that. Yeah, I always like look forward to that. And I like look forward to seeing how people think because again, like, you know, the yes or no on the poll versus like, like Max and I, when we do these episodes, it's like originally the first thing we say is yes or no. But then we like start to like listen to each other and speak about it, which is why I like these kinds of episodes so much because like sometimes we're like 
in disagreement, but it's kind of like finding this like sort of middle ground a lot. So yeah, common ground. Exactly. Yeah. If you like this mini series and just our podcast in general, please be sure to give it a five star rating on Apple Podcasts with a review. Reviews are really nice and helpful. Um, and so we can make the truth of youth even better for you guys. And also, if you have any specific feedback for the podcast or maybe want to come on the show for an interview, please go check out the link tree link in the description. Um, you guys know the drill. And uh, maybe go give us a follow on TikTok if you want to see more content from us and Instagram, as always, at The Truth of Youth. And all right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.